bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Everybody and welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus. Like we're talking about reality TV. Grr. Grr. How fucking crazy was this week? Wow. I mean, Kelly Preston, mm. Tamar Braxton, mm. Megan Thee Stallion, Nick Cannon, mm. John Lewis. Mm. It's all so depressing. Oh. <sighs> I have I had to constantly take news breaks this weekend mm-hmm. so I could watch the Blackpink dance video <laughs> and look at funny gif reactions blaming Ray J and Kim Kardashian for Kanye West's oh. campaign thing. Wow. Now uh, there's some pretty uh, next level uh, memes and gifs that will give you so much life. Now, I didn't want to look at really any comments on Twitter to the actual like the Kanye trending because uh-huh. that gets that gets dark. It's like he oh. clearly has he's suffering from like something serious. Right. He's crying at the rally. So then you put that in. People are it's just too dark. What you need to search is Kim Kardashian. OK. And then because the, who cares? And also no one likes Ray J. So right. that's fine. Right. <sighs> There's so many funny ones about I can't wait to look like Ray J did this to us because he made her a thing, you know, can't wait to look. Yeah, we're going to have so much fun looking. <laughs> well, I tried to watch the Kanye. I watched some of it, but unfortunately, I don't know whoever's in charge of his campaign. Get a <laughs> microphone, get a lectern, <laughs> get some lights and get a stage. You because mean a, what's a lectern, a podium? Yeah. Or yes. whoever you mean, his campaign manager. Yeah. His campaign manager needs to set the stage. I can't have him rattling on without a microphone i mean come on because you couldn't hear it clearly enough yes and how is the how's the fake fake media supposed to tape his whole speech so we can watch on youtube i didn't real i wasn't sure if anyone taped it if it was just people one person did and it was 49 minutes and you can't (laughs) hear shit and you hear them being like we're gonna we're going in a minute like they can't yeah because it was insane but then somebody will cobble together all the different ones right. with the best audio. But right. you will hear in all of them. Are you ready? I need to leave. Yeah, I can't take yeah, this anymore. Yes. yes. But the people but when he did cry, at least the people in the audience did go. We love you, Kanye. I mean, that's they were being supportive. So hard to watch when he said the Harriet Tubman thing. I mean, literally, it was like you there going, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, you could hear people doing that. Yeah. I mean, his, you know, his information, his his is incorrect and it's bad and it's careless and, and it's dangerous. careless oh, right right though i did have to say even though i wouldn't give every woman who has a baby a million dollars um maximum was like maximum exposure or maximum whatever i was like i'm not mad at your catchphrase and also <laughs> i think that um 
I understand at least he's giving a, a, a women who give birth. He's trying to give some respect. At least I, yeah, I kind of got down with that a little bit. We love Kanye <laughs> and we don't want him crying no. and being on a manic episode no. that is just bad for everyone. Bad it's for just, everyone. You know, it's just too bad, but we can still have fun with Kim Kardashian Come and on. Ray J. Come on. Just, it's, it's there. It's there for us. Now I got a call about approximately 14 huge large boxes at <laughs> our postal place uh-huh. at our mailbox it was like Bradley you have many boxes here mm-hmm. we need to come get them please then they, they have corona everywhere we don't know what we're <laughs> going to do we're old we're French, and we're going to get corona you have to get your boxes please 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 Bradley then she wouldn't let me carry them out one by one because usually this is your job with yes. your muscly arms right she made me get the dolly i'm like i don't know where the dolly is yeah no for me it's like this 10 boxes for you good luck <laughs> sir exactly <laughs> so basically Devin verana our erotic third my man oh, Devin. she sent you a cheesecake mm-hmm. that said happy birthday to you and mel brooks oh, which is so nice and cheesecake is one of my faves and she sent a gigundous box of <laughs> all kinds of chips, Doritos, Tostitos, an assortment, like all kinds of chips. Because on the Patreon, we mentioned that we were down to eating croutons. Right. <laughs> right. And the but the box is. Um, yeah, it's a it's a box someone could live in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make the dogs live in it. <laughs> She also sent another huge box of Sour Patch Kids and Famous Amos cookies, which I already I mean, I've been eating the Famous Amos since the moment. Oh, right. Of course. Like, of course. Of course. And that's another weird thing we say on the Patreon. So tell them how to join the Patreon. Mama. Well, uh, if you're curious as to why anyone would send us chips and Sour Patch Kids and Famous Amos cookies and a cheesecake, <laughs> then you should join the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and you can get one episode a week for one dollar or two episodes a week for two dollars it's that simple just try it out why not what do you have to lose except for getting more annoyed and being like "Eh, it's enough of them (laughs) now patrick dyer who's been just a major like fran and just family at this point Uh he's been on all of our platforms he finally sent his picture for the drug dem bulletin board yes he finally did and he sent a note he said Hey, Julian Brandy, I've been an original 14 day one DGP podcast and day one Patreon podcast subscriber. I started with Julian Big Gay Sketch Show and Brandy after that first cruise on Johnny's podcast. I don't need your notes on why this picture took so long to get to you. You two are absolutely magic and have joined me on many hikes and even more flights. We'll also be sending a Chinazon box shortly. In this pic, my husband Jesse is on the left and I am on the right. And what I can only guess was one of the last cruises to Alaska in September 2019. Love you, sexos. XOXO Pharmacia Patrick Dyer. Oh, look at these cuties. We didn't get a wonderful picture like this when we went to Alaska. No, we did not. This is a great pick of you guys. You're very handsome. It's just it's goals. I mean, it's It's literally like the last cruise that ever cruised from cruising. Yeah. (laughs) Since such since uh, Corona. And it's just such a great picture. Like it's a great beautiful. How gorgeous does the day look? It looks absolutely beautiful. 
they need to put they're that right on, by the glacier on the ad for the Alaska cruise, okay? Because yes. they are really selling it, and God yeah. knows there's some there's some there's some tragic parts to it. <laughs> with all due, now I want to say, Patrick, your box, the China's on box, did arrive, mm. and it was one of the boxes that I had on the dolly. <laughs> I put them in the trunk. I was driving, and I knew because Devin Brana's had these big boxes that that was from Walmart and she's our Walmart girl. Right. So I'm like, I hope one of those boxes is filled to the brim with nothing but Kleenex. And I'm like, hmm, probably isn't because I know Devin is always sends us food. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I kept thinking about it and obsessing about it. And then when we opened it, it was actually Patrick's China Zombox. This is, I swear to God, on my life, Patrick. I was driving in the car being like, I wish one box, one of those boxes was all Kleenex. Because at this point, fucking Julie got all excited and was like, look at this bamboo toilet paper. And I was like, mm, what's going on? And we do have some some tissue mm. around, some Kleenex. Yeah. But sometimes it's just not in the bathroom and I'll have to use the toilet paper and it's I do just, move it around. It's too rough on my nose. Right. Especially the bamboo. It's I'm actually trying, too rough I'm on my ass trying, too. I'm it is a little rough, which is probably why my asshole itches. However <laughs> I'm like, why is mine burning? <laughs> oh, like I told you the other day, I was like, something's on fire. <laughs> Something is literally could I, if we were naked and afraid, what's ever happening inside my asshole would start the fire outside in the jungle. So um I wanted to get the bamboo toilet paper because I'm trying to be like, you know, environmental and stuff. Can't they make it <laughs> just a touch softer? I hope maybe they're maybe they're maybe it's the toilet paper journey that they're they're going to try to. I hope. Well, Patrick's I got, box. It was a big box filled with Kleenex. Ah, uh, uh, amazing. <laughs> so exciting. Amazing. I'm so, so excited. I can't handle how excited I am. Amazing. No more bamboo. I'll probably use the Kleenex to wipe my ass. Your dreams come true. I did get a bunch of regular toilet papers, too. I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I, what I should do is use the ba the regular toilet paper, regular weed toilet paper, like the soft kind, in case I ever need to blow my nose with it or wipe my ass. I could just do front wiping <laughs> with the bamboo because you're just tapping there. You're not trying to clean tapping i don't oh. what do you do rub hard on your on your i feel puss, like puss? i i feel like i shove it really hard in there you do well that's just my way oh that's well just my way then you might not is the bamboo scratching there too it's probably why i have so many problems there because i'm just too harsh <laughs> yeah you with the whole situation you just need to pat it dry yeah i don't know i just uh you're not cleaning I'm like, it go, i'm day. like i'm sopping up the fallopian tubes oh. i'm like getting in there and just making sure everything is dry from the inside out you know what i mean Mm-hmm. yeah Now it's time to reintroduce a series that we started in Scrunchy 19. It's called the Icon Series. Every so often we get the opportunity to talk to someone so major that they require a whole episode, not just one segment. And today is one of those days. Now, full disclosure, we did this interview the week the George Floyd protest started, and we recorded it as an evergreen episode with every intention of putting it on the shelf until we felt comfortable having a guest on the show who wasn't here to talk about equal rights. We're committed to using this platform to fight for racial justice, and we refuse to hijack the conversation or even be distracted from it. That said, I had a family obligation this past weekend and had to fly across country, and that's what Evergreen episodes are for. So I beg Brandy to let us use this interview for this week. 
And I did, because above all else, I'm lazy. <laughs> so without further ado, let's meet our first icon of COVID-20. Motherfucking legend. Motherfucking legend. Even if I die, living legend. Look at my reflection. Ain't no second guessing. Always be a legend. A motherfucking legend. Motherfucking legend. All right. We are so excited because today we are finally adding another name to our Dumb Gay Politics Icon series. Since the inception of this show, we have talked to quite a few influential people, but today is only the second time that we're talking to an actual, literal icon. <laughs> yes, we are beyond excited and humbled to be talking to our guest today. Even though Julie has developed a Star Trek level obsession with her, we have to admit that we are very late to the party. Yeah. But we're here now, and after she hears how dumb and gay we are, she'll probably politely ask us to leave the party. It's true. I learned about this woman who can only be described as the prophet of farming while I was on one of my endless hunts for a So There's That story. Finding positive stories during Trump is always difficult, but during coronavirus, it was particularly challenging for me because I would fixate on what was happening to the animals in factory farms and get so upset that I couldn't think about anything else. So then I would start trolling websites, hoping to find a story about a factory farm owner falling into a pool of piranhas and getting mauled. <laughs> <laughs> slowly but instead i ended up finding a story about a vegan food entrepreneur who is helping struggling dairy farmers to transition out of torturing animals and killing the planet and into growing crops needed for plant-based food creation and innovation yep it was one of the most inspiring and influential so there's that segments that julie has ever found just knowing that this woman is out in the world working on behalf of animals and helping to change the heinous farming industry was honestly life-changing for us. She created a way to combine activism with capitalism. Mm -hmm. Her company makes money by working to reverse climate change, save animals, and create an equitable food system. And for us, all we care about is making money. <laughs> what she's doing is next level. This isn't like Tom sending their lame-ass shoes to another country. This is like some Rockefeller shit. Yeah! And she's not just helping dairy farmers transition. She's helping dairy consumers transition by making the best goddamn vegan cheese ever created. Impossible Meat made it possible for us to give up beef, but it's Miyoko's Creamery that made it possible for us to give up dairy. They have vegan butter you can cook with and a ton of amazing cheeses that melt and spread and don't smell weird and look plastic. This is why she's an icon. She's not just an entrepreneur or philanthropist. She's a goddamn chef who creates artisanal <laughs> vegan cheese that's actually good. And on top of that, she's Japanese, which is our favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah, it's our favorite thing. <laughs> The woman is a juggernaut. She's written 900 books, had a million amazing restaurants. She's an insanely savvy businesswoman who doesn't need to give back, but she does because she truly cares about the animals. I mean, she owns an animal sanctuary and wine country, for God's sake. The woman is a literal hero. And if Joe Biden doesn't give her the Presidential Medal of Freedom when he becomes president, he's, <laughs> he's fired. Exactly. She might be known as the queen of vegan cheese, but to us, she's nothing short of an icon. So without further ado, we're thrilled to introduce our 14 listeners to the remarkable Mayoko Shinner. <laughs> well, hello there. Hi. 
I've, I mean, that was one hell of an introduction, seriously. I don't know how I'm going to be able to top it in the interview. So that was hilarious. Thank you so much. You're just, you guys are great. We're waiting for you to get your Nobel Peace yeah, Prize. For or, real. We look up to you. You've really inspired us and kept our spirits high during coronavirus when it's been, you know, we're, we're very high all the time and drunk. <laughs> but it, it's been you and, and the drugs that have really gotten us through. Well, well, I think I'm uh, with you on the, the drinking, drinking coronavirus, so I think yeah. it's not just you guys there. Okay, so. good. All right, well, right off the bat, how did the idea to work with dairy farms come about, and what exactly is the process? Sure, you know, it's just something that I've been, like, knocking around for quite a while. You know, just having an animal sanctuary, and I live in agricultural land, so I'm surrounded by dairy farms. And a couple of years ago, um, this was a rancher. She's not a a dairy farmer. She's a a beef rancher. Um, Kind of we met um, secretly in this uh, in her pickup truck in the town square. This is true. Like like, you know, because like ranchers everywhere. And and she wanted to have this this hush hush meeting. And she said to me, you know what? Um, I she says every time that transport truck comes and I have to load up the cattle onto the transport truck and send them off to the slaughterhouse, it breaks my heart. But what am I going to do? I'm 65 years old. I've never done anything else. These, This is the only skill I have. And I gave her a bunch of my cheeses, you know, like, and she's like, you know, I think I'm ready to go vegan, but I have no idea how. And I have no idea what I would do. How am I going to make a living? How am I going to pay my taxes? What am I going to do? And that really got me thinking. It's like, these people aren't bad people. It's not like, you know, vegans are like down with farmers, you know, they're all evil. It's not like that. Even though there are vegans, really angry vegans that have that sentiment. But the <laughs> fact is, it's true. But these farmers, you know, as far as they're concerned, another dairy farmer I talked to that uh, we rescued a cow from when he when he closed down his farm when he was 75 years old. He said, yeah, I've been wanting to shut down the farm for several years. You know, I'm 75 years old. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Because uh, he's like second, third generation dairy farmer. But he said, but how I, I kept asking myself, how was I going to feed America if I stopped producing dairy? And so in their minds, I mean, this is, you know, they were culturally raised to to grow animal, to raise animals, to provide milk or beef for Americans to consume. And that's all they know. They've no, they, they have no other way. They don't, you know, they're not going to, you know go get some tech job or go work at an office. They don't know how to do that. So what are they going to do? Are they evil because they're involved in animal agriculture? No. I mean, this is this has been our culture um, in this country and, and the world over. And so but yeah, most it, of those people uh, grew up doing that, right? It's like fam- they family. They grew up doing it. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're like second. It's not like, you know, you wake up, like you go to high school and then you go, I'm going to be a dairy farmer. I mean, no one does that. No. In fact, most of their kids don't want to go into farming. Most of them are closing down. And so many dairy, thousands and thousands of dairy farms are shutting down every single year. And they're shutting down because oftentimes the kids don't want to take over. Mm. And they're in debt over their heads to the large corporates that own them. I mean, most dairy, and you know, it's even worse with like chicken farmers that don't even own their chickens. Everything is, they're just doing it for, for Tyson or something. You mean the chicken um, you know, farmers Tyson literally owns, lease or rent the chickens? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, they're sort of basically growing them for Tyson or for, you know, or uh. hog farmers for Smithsfield. They don't even own anything. And they're usually, they're like, it's like indentured servitude. Yeah, they're, they're like in so much peasants. debt to these corporations, wow. they can't get out of it. Wow. 
Uh, and dairy farmers are a little bit different, but most of them today, I mean, it's not like the old days. You know, when I remember when I was first came to the United States when I was um, in 1964 is when I moved here. We used to have a milkman who came around. He was the local farmer, I guess. And, you know, they dropped off a couple of bottles of milk every single day. And and now it's, you know, it's these big corporate, these conglomerates that basically own all the dairy farms also. And um, on my way to work right now, I passed by two dairy farms. Actually, I passed by four dairy farms and two of them are now for sale. And so they're not doing well. They're they're struggling. Um but they're not they're not evil. I mean, like this is like how, how can you help them? And so what I wanted I had this like crazy idea, you know, it's like how can we show them that plant based isn't the enemy? We're the we're the solution. Yeah. We can actually help them if they've got land, they've got resources, maybe we can help them transition to a new life. Um and I just had this this sort of crazy idea and it was weird. Like about a year and a half ago, I got asked to speak at the International Dairy Foods Association conference. And I flew there and I got to speak to like a room of 500 dairy farmers and whatever people in the milk industry. And um, I you know I did this little slide saying, you know, here dairy of the future is going to come from plants. Um, maybe, you know, it, it, like it'll come from animals, but it could also come from plants. And so we're going to have to redefine dairy and you can be part of that new future i mean it's just like transportation at one time was defined as the horse and buggy and then the automobile came along and transportation was redefined as the automobile and Good then it analogy. was redefined as yeah. the airplane Great yeah analogy. i mean it was kind of like that and like what do you do you just kick the horse and buggy you know the the buggy driver and in, in a butt and say you know screw you i got my automobile now i mean i you know that didn't seem to be a very compassionate uh solution so i thought instead of putting them out of work why not maybe help them and set a precedent for the entire industry to transition. So, you know, we decided to do this like late last, like November of last year or so. And and then we started looking around and talking to farmers. And, and to be honest, like we were calling up farmer Joe and farmer Fred and saying, hey, you know, we got this crazy idea. And most of them were like, screw you. And they would just hang out. Right. I mean, like, that was one of our questions did... was how much blowback did you get from them? Just like, what's this crazy lady yeah. talking about or whatever? Yeah, pretty much pretty much that with a mm -hmm. lot of people. And then we finally um, connected with somebody who was really interested. Um, and um, this is like early this year. Like, you know, we started I think we found him in February and we started talking and we were going to go visit him in Humboldt County in March, in mid-March. We had it all slated. We were going to take a road trip up there. And then all of a sudden, shelter, that week, shelter in place took over Ugh. and we had to, we couldn't move. So uh, we're still, you know, we've talked to him. We're still wanting to move forward. We allocated a budget to it so that we would actually, now, whether he's the right guy or somebody else, we have a budget and, and that budget is going to go towards helping someone transition. So they're going to get paid to transition to crops. So they're going to have a livelihood. So that, um, would it, and that it would be crops that you could you Miyoko's yes. Curry, Curry Murray could use to make your vegan cheese. And right. Well, initially, yes, initially it would be crops to explore. What we're doing is we're exploring a variety of, of plants to see what you know, what plants are are capable of of being transformed into dairy like products, yeah, making the tasty fake cheese. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Except for we, you know, we don't. We think of it as real cheese is just made from plants because we use traditional cheese making technology. We we culture it, we ferment it. You know, we do all this stuff like 
in traditional cheesemaking. We so even age it. We even have aging rooms. So that's a part of the the change of the perspective too is is helping people, not just farmers, but everyone go, you know, cheese, just the definition of cheese doesn't have to come from a cow or a goat or that, whatever. Right? That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. Like we, why don't we redefine it? It's just like language is always evolving. Let's redefine it as something, you know, as something else, you know, and I just want to go back for a minute. One of the reasons, you know, kind of got me thinking about this was, you know, I spoke at this uh, Dairy Foods Association thing, and then I immediately got backlash because someone, there was some paper, it was like the Dairy Reporter or Milkweed Magazine or some, I don't remember, maybe it was Beef Magazine. I think I've been in all of them where they will come and just basically say I'm full of, you know what. And, and I'm reading this stuff. You can say it on here. Yeah. You can say it on here. Yeah. Okay. I'm full of shit. There we go. There you go. <laughs> I can say it on here. But, you know, I, I just felt like, okay, you know, I've got to prove that that these people are suffering. No one's coming to their aid. I mean, it's not like the large dairy conglomerates are going down to Farmer Joe and helping him, be, you know, um, get his feet on the ground. They're not helping. If Farmer Joe can't make ends meet, then they'll move on to Farmer Fred. Right. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how the system is right now. And it just didn't seem right to me. You know, and, and in the long run, we've allocated a budget to this, um, you know, a, a a, a decent amount of our budget to help uh, a farmer transition and then hopefully be able to replicate that and, and help others transition and encourage other industries in the plant-based sector to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Whether we succeed, I don't know. I mean, we can only try. That's so, what's so you know, inspiring. I, yeah. yeah. I want to just, before we, we're going to continue on that, but, and what about the vegans? Cause as you said, Vegans can be intense. <laughs> did, did you get any blowback yeah. from vegans who were like just that we shouldn't even be dealing with those? I can't believe that she's even talking to like dairy farmers and stuff. <laughs> so rude. Oh Ugh. my God. You know, you put yourself in this position and all, you get attacked on all sides. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I've had backlash from some vegans that have said this is not a vegan would never do anything like this. Like you're not even supposed to like there are vegans that won't even sit at a dinner table with a non-vegan. Wow. I think that's like that's that's not how you win the world. I don't you don't no, win by no. pushing people away. You win no. by by inclusion, by love, by compassion, by showing you care. Yeah, that's why you're vegan Jesus, Mayoko. Okay. That's yes, thank you. Vegan Jesus. Okay. So Okay, so this is kind of a complicated question, but we have three sworn enemies on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we have a couple other like frenemies, but it's Facebook, Amazon, and Monsanto. So if you trans- transition a dairy farm into growing something like a potato, mm-hmm. isn't Monsanto going to come in and take over? Don't they take over farms? Well, I only for certain GMO crops. For example, there's no such thing as a GMO wheat, a, a contrary right. to popular belief. Right. I mean, there are GMO soy and corn predominantly. I don't think there's GMO potatoes, to be honest. Okay. But, but no, I mean, we would be organic. Right. But they don't. So do they not? Monsanto doesn't do, they, do organic. So they don't They're, even yeah. bother with organic no. farms. Trying to no, do any no. shit. Oh, well, that's good. No, that's good no. to know. I guess you can't take a, a Monsanto-owned farm and try and, and turn them turn them organic. <laughs> right. We will literally do anything, anything, anything to bring down to, Monsanto. Uh, bring we down Monsanto. Well, okay. My neighbor is a class action lawsuit um, attorney, and he just won a major lawsuit against. Monsanto around about around GMOs. God, how nice is your neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, really. So I mean, <laughs> they're you know they are being taken down. 
And they're, I think that's going to happen more and more in the future. Oh, good. Well, so. we were going to ask you, because the, the USDA, so that's the United States Department of Agriculture, they're notorious for discrimination and a bunch of bullshit. So, like, black farmers in the 90s went got together in a class action. Is there a thing where potentially plant-based farmers could do the same if, if they're being discriminated against? Well, I don't. Do you know anything about the fact that Miyoko's, my company, filed yes. a class action, uh, not a class action, uh, a, yeah, a First Amendment uh, violation lawsuit against the state of California? You do yes, know about we that. Want, we want you to, to talk about it. So basically, the state of California came and told us we couldn't call our, our butter butter because it didn't. Uh, well, this was the most, you know, it wasn't made out of dairy um, and it didn't have a certain percentage of, of butter fat, I mean, obviously, because it's not made from from cows, cow's milk. But I mean, the most absurd thing they said was we had to remove any and all references, including images uh, having to do with farmed animals from our website, such as the picture um, of a woman oh. hugging a cow on our website. So. I mean, this is like absurd. It's as if the dairy industry is saying they own any and all images of cows. Yeah. And if you're not in the dairy industry, you can't put a picture of a cow on your website. So the, who is the cow on the website? Not what, but who? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's a who. The who is Angel, a rescued dairy cow. And the person caressing her is a volunteer at my farmed animal sanctuary, Grace. And so my, you know, our perspective was to show cows in a different light than the dairy industry does, mm -hmm. to show them as animals capable of love and affection, um, as beings um, unto themselves, not just part of a herd that, you know, just goes around eating grass and not having relationships with anybody. I mean, Angel, the cow's best friend, is Echo, a goose, for God's sake. Uh, and that's the truth. So, you know, my my goal is to take animals out of, um, you know, the, this I want people to start thinking of animals as being just like your dog and cat, like like beings that that have emotions, that have, have a sentient that, that They're sentient. Con yes. And they, and they love and they want to connect with you and you just have to treat them a certain way. And they Oh my God, they just, the outpouring of love back from them is amazing. And I want people to understand that. And that's why we have that picture. And the state of California said, I can't show that picture on my website. I mean, how absurd is that? I can't even. It wasn't, is it, it's not on the packaging though, is it? It's just on the website? It was, it's just on the website. Although the new packaging that we just started rolling out with has a picture of me hugging another cow. Yeah, I thought I saw that there was like a yeah. black and white cow. Yeah, yep. which I thought was, that's right. was, the way dairy cows, I always thought of them as black and white. And the picture of your volunteer, who Julie got very jealous of, Miyoko. She's so jealous <laughs> oh. of Grace. She can't believe Grace gets to hug the cow. In Believe the it. I'm going online. I'm being like, I can be there in a week. I'm going to live on the land. I don't care. I'll get a teepee. I don't care. I even hate, I hate camping. Okay. I'm Jewish. But like, literally I will go and camp out on the land so I can hug the goddamn cows. I can't take it. I can't take so, it. So dairy cows can be like brown cows like that too like those aren't those sure oh they oh i didn't know that she's a guernsey and then so the most popular uh i guess the the most uh numerous dairy cow is the holstein which is the black and white uh, yes. and then there's the jersey cow which is kind of brown and then there's also the guernsey which is what angel is and what kind of cow do people generally use for beef what kind of cow is that uh 
Well, like we have, we have one of them, a black Angus, and that's oh, Angus, uh, Louis. Right. Louis, we have Louis. a uh, we have a black Angus. Yeah, Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the most popular. Can you, are you allowed to say cheese, or are they just coming for the word butter? Well, they're well. So initially, they they just so they launched with just butter, but they were going to follow. They said you'll be getting a letter from us about cheese as well. And then before we got that letter, we filed a lawsuit. So. So is you this, know, but do they do did, this yeah. with Beyond Beef and Impossible Meat or? No, California didn't do that with them. They have done it with other um, vegan cheese companies. We know of that. We know of other letter, uh, other companies that have gotten similar letters. And most of them um, basically just complied. Now, one of them actually petitioned the state of California to be allowed to use certain terminology. And after two years or so, the state um, turned down their request and so we already knew that so without disclosing the names of those companies because that's private uh, we already knew that and so we when we filed a lawsuit yes we did it for uh, to protect our first amendment rights but we also did it to protect the first amendment rights for every company in the space because we think this is the future of dairy the future of dairy is not going to come from cows it's going to come from plants and that's also activism because that's costing you money you're trying to set a precedent to help other companies who can't even get in the freaking space at all other entrepreneurs and innovators can't even do anything so this is right it's so great that you're doing that now in the state of california is it we have our own agriculture department is that how that works yeah that's the CDFA, the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Okay, so and they're the ones that came after us. In 2012, there was a thing on on the ballot, Prop 37, about labeling GMO foods. And I remember, I mean, that was like a turning point for me, particularly because I saw that it was like the L.A. Times and Coke and Pepsi and Bayer and Kraft were all against labeling GMO foods. And, it, mm-hmm. and I thought, there's no way, I don't care if Jesus comes down and, and says he's against it, says she's against it. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> there's no way that's not going to pass in California. The, uh, of course, the, every Californian is going to demand that our food be labeled. And it didn't pass. If, if California is, is this, I, I am assuming corrupt, then I don't really know. How can it move? How can the needle move in any other state? Yeah. Like here we are in California. It's so liberal. We're on the West Coast. It's supposed to be a nature, nature, nature. The best environmental um, policies in the country. And yet they're not letting you call plant-based or called cheese, cheese or or butter, butter and label GMO GMO food. Like how, what's the problem? What do you think is going on? Uh, and I, exactly what you, you said, you know, how progressive are we um, and who are they in bed with? I mean, seriously, because, you know, why would they do this? Why are they picking on these little tiny startups rather than going after, you know, big evil corporations? Um, you know, um, and, you know, they're supposed to be paving a way for innovation. And we're supposed to be the most innovative state in the country. Right. Um, and that's why we did it in California. I mean, we've had other challenges. You know, there was a class amendment lawsuit against us filed in the state of New York, and that got dismissed. Um, and then uh, in Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin, uh, uh, basically their food and agriculture division started pulling our butter off of shelves. And, um, you know, I should let you know that our butter, our single butter stick is the single best selling plant based butter skew in the country so 
Uh, I'm not saying it's the biggest brand because there's bigger brands like Earth Balance and, and so on. But as as one item, it's the best selling of, you know, it outperforms any other single item that another company has. And so, you know, it's gotten on the radar, I think. And we've gotten, you know, articles and food and wine and Bon Appetit and whatever, you know, people say it performs like butter. It looks like butter. It tastes like butter. It's better than butter. I mean, we get that all the time. So. Um, we got on the, you know, in, in Wisconsin, they got upset with us. They were pulling butter off of shelves. And so, you know, we, they said the reason for that was because they got a lot of consumer complaints about the confusion about our product. And so I had to hire an attorney and the attorney went after them to find um, and requested to see those consumer complaints. Well, there were, how many do you think there were? None. Well, there were two. <laughs> okay. There were two. One of them was from the Wisconsin dairy industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other one was from a magazine called Milkweed Magazine. Now, what, what do you think they write about? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a, mag- it's, it's that was a magazine it. dedicated that, to milk? There were whopping two complaints. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a magazine about the dairy industry. Ugh. Those are the only, there were no actual legitimate consumer complaints, because oh, I'm sure no one from Milkweed Magazine has ever bought my butter. <laughs> Uh, so they couldn't be considered a real consumer. So anyway, um, eventually we got so much media coverage. It was like in New York Times and Forbes and I don't know, like it was all over the place. Maybe Washington Post. I can't remember. It was all over the place. And they got they started getting real consumer complaints demanding that our butter be put back on the shelf. Mm. And they finally just threw up their arms and said, fine, you know, we're just going to back off. And they did. We didn't think that Wisconsin was enough of a place you know we we could have filed a lawsuit there but we just thought okay we're just going to try to work with them because we just didn't think they were going to move the needle but we think california will and so i'm hoping this this hearing on thursday goes well um and that you know that the state of california decides to just just drop the these uh ridiculous um allegations against us is there anything that people can do to help yeah, write to your congressman, write to your senator, write to the CDFA, write to Newsom. I mean, like, who's, whose side of innovation? Come on, at some point. Right. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. I got to tell you something else. Um, are you, you know, so up in the Bay Area, you, you guys know about Point Reyes National Seashore, right? You, so should, I, tell I, our, you should tell our 14 okay. listeners. Yeah. I will listen, all, all 14 listeners is really, <laughs> really important. So Point Reyes is a national seashore. It's a national park. Um, and uh, 60 years ago, the, the country bought the seashore from uh, a, a number like 24 ranching families and paid them millions and millions of dollars for their land. And then they gave them a lease. Um, I think it was they gave they leased the land back to them and the lease expired last year and they were supposed to get off the land and they didn't want to. Um, the waters off of Point Reyes are among the top 10 dirtiest in California. There's about 5000 head of cattle out there right now. Ew. And there used there used to be about fifty thousand elk. We're down to something like uh, five hundred elk. Oh my god! And they want to kill the elk. Of course they do, because they're they're taking they're eating the grass that the cows want. Um, and so at some point, and and our our local congressman, uh, Jared Huffman, who is supposed to be a huge environmentalist, is pro rancher against elk wants to see the ranchers there in perpetuity, um, calls them the historic ranches. Well, I think history of 150 years does not predate history of thousands of years of, you know, of the Native Americans, the Miwok tribes there, uh, the Thule elk there, the wild 
uh, the flora, the fauna. Um, and this is a national park, and people have the right to access those lands that are currently occupied by ranchers. So, you know, you, you wonder who is California in bed with, and why are they so eager to protect the livelihood of literally just a few dozen families throughout the state of California? We're not talking thousands and thousands of dairy farmers. So why is this? Why are they so interested in doing this? Well, we know Jared when Hoffman's Gary's not account, doing well. bank account is certainly filled with yeah. dirty ranch money. Yeah, we need to get sure. Nancy Pelosi on it. Is there any state that's that is more that has more progressive farming legislation like in the country than California? Like, are there any good? I don't states? think so. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And, you know, and the thing is that Americans all have a heart for farmers. Yeah. And I understand that. So, you know, let's keep that heart. We should have compassion for people that grow our food. But let's make sure they're growing crops and not animals that later on go to slaughter. Um, and so that, you know, that's really where I'm coming from. Um, you know, having known a few few cows as individuals and hanging out <laughs> with them, you know, they're they're pretty huggable. They're really pretty nice creatures, you know. Um, and even if they got, weren't, yeah. and even if they weren't, we do. I think that what the thing that you're doing that's, that's the the lesson that that's so hard for people to wrap their heads around is that we don't own everything we don't no we don't we don't get to right. have it all we don't get to eat no. everything. <laughs> everything we don't I mean, get to consume every single thing and that's I, right and it's, it's we don't need we don't have to we don't need to i mean right. who's whose earth is this anyway is right. it our earth or does it belong to all living beings i have a question too for people who who struggle with you know um, I want to eat meat, but I want to be better. I want to, I'm not ready to go vegan all the way. I'm not ready to be a full vegetarian. What can people do right now to what you, you know, transition or wean off or be better? Is there a middle ground? Let's say you have plant-based. Oh, absolutely. You know, everything is a journey. All, I mean, all of life is a journey. That's like saying, how do you go from being evil to being good? You know, I mean, is 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 there someone who's completely evil versus someone who's completely good? No, we're all somewhere in between. We're all somewhere, you know, trying to get better. We all have faults. And so it's the same thing with your food journey. You know, maybe you give up meat one day a week. Wow, that is great. And so we applaud those efforts. Um, it's not all or nothing. And I, I have very little patience for people that are like, you know, they're not really vegan. You know, they... They put honey in their coffee. I'm like, come on, just <laughs> let's just relax. Who cares what they call themselves? The point is we're all on a journey and from, I mean, we're, yeah. Definitely speak to like the difference, even just one day, because it's terrible. Okay. These yeah. factory farms are hideous and terrible for the environment. Right. It's not just like, you know, Julie's obsession with the animals. It's like, even <laughs> if you, somebody's out there who's like, oh, I just don't care about animals. I don't know. That person's the evil one, but maybe <laughs> they can be reached through understanding exactly how um, bad this is for climate change and right. The environment, our resources. And, right. Absolutely. I mean, that is so important. So whatever you can do to minimize the impact and become, you know, I think we're, we're put on this earth to figure out how do we become better people all around? I mean, how do we learn you know, um, whether, whatever it is we have to learn, you know, we should be continuously trying to improve ourselves as human beings and trying to approach not so we can not be instead of just being human, we can be humane. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's a journey and you're going to trip up along the way. And, you know, maybe you, you know, you're one of those miraculous people that can transform overnight. And 
And maybe, you well, know, it takes a while. Well, it's pretty interesting for a civilization that is so based in religion that they really don't follow the doctrine that oh my God. they're endowed. They think they're endowed in. I want to ask you, um, will you do the same thing with dairy as with um, meat kind of farms like cattle and beef and stuff like that? You know, I mean, I'm happy to help out wherever I can. You know, when I started out talking to you about the, the cattle rancher down the street, where, you know, we met secretly in her pickup truck. Um, and um, I actually put her in touch with um, a big farm sanctuary, um, one of the largest, and to see if they could help her maybe transition her land into a farm sanctuary so that she could have a livelihood, um, but, you know, still be able to live with her animals, not send them away. And unfortunately... Her land was caught up in so many different layers of trusts and things like that, that there was no way for her to do that. I mean, it was really, really complicated. And that's the other thing is we can, you know, vegans can dislike some of these ranchers and just think, write them off as being evil. But some of them are kind of like stuck. And so, yes, we have compassion for the animals, but we also have to have compassion for these people that probably were unwitting you know born into this lifestyle and now are fine at odds with themselves like how can we help them how can we at least have compassion towards them also right yeah. and i think it's good it's a difficult it's going to be a difficult period i think over the next 10 20 years i think there's going to be a huge shift in how food is produced and we're already seeing it with covid and all the meat packing plants shutting down and and all the people of color that are getting sick right uh, especially from being and then being forced to go back to work and sort of like the the callousness of these meat companies that are forcing people to work, you know, despite their, you know, whether they're sick or not, the emails that I can't remember if it was one of these companies where, you know, like they knew people were getting sick and they just forced them to go to work anyway. And I mean, it's kind of I think this is all going to change. The public's not going to put up with this anymore. On your website, which is miyokos.com, M-I-Y-O-K-O-S.com. It's with all the cheese. You can peruse <laughs> all the cheese, the butter, everything, mm -hmm. the mission. It's mm -hmm. amazing. It's mm -hmm. just it, just a joy to visit the website, yeah. period. The recipes. Uh, there's a, Thank you. There's a calculator about, yeah. about if mm -hmm. you were to give up meat and dairy. And I'm talking about somebody could just go on a damn cleanse for a month and, yep. you know, and give up meat and dairy so you can do years or months the amount. So I just put in one month. I mean, honestly, I kind of wish we could just put in like seven days to see. But <laughs> even if it's just one month for somebody to give up meat and dairy from their diet, it would save 33,000 gallons of water, mm. uh -huh. 900 square feet of forest, mm. 30 animals, wow. 1,200 pounds of grain, and 600 pounds of CO2. Wow. Uh -huh. What's CO2? Is that shit? Is that cow shit? <laughs> no, no, that's carbon dioxide. Okay, but what What do we... Is that what's making the climate gas. change? Oh, the gas. But yeah, I thought that comes yeah. from cow it, shit. Well, it, that's methane. I mean, there's 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 a lot. There's methane. There's CO2. Oh, okay. There's, uh, there's all black carbon because in order... For example, you know, slash and burn is a technique for just burning down rainforest, like let's say in the Amazon, to create cattle grazing land so that's putting black carbon into the atmosphere which is like so much more potent than co2 mm. um and so all of that when you talk about you know the the uh the impacts of, of cattle on the environment it's not just the actual cow itself it's all the things that go into 
uh, creating an infrastructure for the cow. So it's everything from clear-cutting rainforests to uh, growing um, hay and and straw and the silage and the you know and then um, the, the the meat processing plants because all dairy cows are all slaughtered eventually and turned into meat mm-hmm. and the water to wash it down and um, you know it's just everything the, the amount of land it takes out in uh, California um, the University of California Berkeley did a study to find out how much land would be needed per cow for grazing for organic cows and it's about 10 acres 10 to 12 acres per cow and in, and and wow. that's only six months of the year per year you need one one cow needs about 10 to 12 acres and then you also need to grow and uh, you need to grow hay somewhere else and bring it in so wow. it's even more than, yes that's a lot of land now on one acre of land in so for example our cashew based cheeses we're also now making cheeses out of legumes and oats and beans but our cashew based cheeses even though our cashews come from vietnam and people go oh my god but you know what about the transportation that's really minimal because our cashews are are the cashews aren't grown. They grow naturally. They're a wild crop. They just grow on top of mountains, and they just drop the seed. They just drop the fruit with the seed attached, and the so-called farmers are just local people that just go into the forest and they forage, and then they, you know, then they sell it to a co-op. And but anyway, on one acre of land, you, there's about 50 cashew trees. 50 cashew trees will live about 50 years each. Wow. Every year, those 50 cashew trees will will drop enough fruit or seeds to uh, make about 6,000 pounds of cashew cheese. On one acre of land, um, you can make about you can get enough milk for about 182 pounds of cheese. Oh my God! Yes. Wow. So wow. we had staggering. A, yes, it it is absolutely staggering. People don't you know you just don't think about that. Not to mention that because cashews are a wild crop growing in you know these mountainous regions um in tropical climates only there is no water input there's no irrigation it's all just rainfall i never for the rest of my life want to stop hearing you talk about cashew (laughs) cashews growing on wild trees for real like i want to lay down and have you just tell me that each night about the trees on top of the and the fruit dropping and the foraging And that there's no actual farming, that they just for they they run they come out of their, their fairy tale well, you guys homes. Listen well. <laughs> oh, I mean the things what we don't know the thing. Yeah, you know when and, I wait, was minute, even on go, the website okay, okay. it says I love that it says your electric car and lowering your thermostat and your quick shower, and you don't even have it as sarcastic as I'm saying it, but it's like it's not gonna make it's not gonna do what just cut cut the shit. <laughs> Just cut the shit a couple times a week. Like, at least just do that. Like, And I have to tell you, I am, you know, and I want to say in full disclosure that I struggle. I love meat, okay? And it's been a horrible existence (laughs) because I have to struggle with not just the guilt, the ignorance, the detachment, the disassociation. And then, of course, once you see what you can't unsee, now you're living with... I'm a murderer. I'm this, I'm that. So I need to do better. I need to do better. I need to do better. So when you talk about the food journey, I think some of the, for those of us who want to do better, the more we know, it helps us do better. We cannot put our heads in the sand anymore. And I think what you're doing is helping us to see in a way that is compassionate and understanding and isn't judgmental and rejecting. 
And I think that's really, really important. I can speak personally yeah. to that as a person who well, struggles. Thank you. Yeah, she almost killed herself yeah. during Corona about the animals <laughs> and it was finding you. <laughs> And we made Seriously. a we made a thing about just she could have meat once a week. And I've been trying. Yeah. yeah. And then I think that people, you know, I hope that through what you're doing and what how you're educating all of us, you know, I can he keep in my head if I don't if I eat if I had meat, let's say once a month, or maybe it'll I'll transition away from it. Then I'll know that I've done this. It's like your your, yes. your reward. Yeah. Is 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 bigger than than having a steak or whatever. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think, and I think, you know, understanding it in your head is is really, really important. But I think when you make that connection in your heart is really when the change becomes so easy. And so, if you were to come to Rancho Compasión, and let's say you hung out with Angel and the two of you really grooved together, oh, it'd be like, <laughs> next time there's a steak on your plate, you'd be like, wait a minute, was that Angel? Was that Lou? Right. Was that? Right. I mean, like, it's really true. But we have. We have, um, so we live in farming lands, I told you, and we have neighbors who, um, you know, volunteer and eventually they're like, I can't eat meat anymore. I mean, they're like, I just, you know, after hanging out with Goober the pig, like how could I possibly eat bacon pork, right. or yeah, pork? There is something um, to be said for people and maybe there's a way, and I don't know what it is, that if people could spend more time in an environment where they're around animals it's like sort of i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying except that yeah. if i spent more time around cows i'm sure i would eat them less <laughs> or, right i mean it's just know? like like you never think about eating your dog right no i've occasionally thought of they're getting rid of him right <laughs> Just kidding. He's a chihuahua. You know what I mean? It's real okay. annoying. Real but annoying. It's the same but. thing. It's like you know, if you if when you start seeing these animals like like you do your dog, it's like, how could I do that? Um, yeah, and it really right. happens. Okay, before we let you go, like, what can we as consumers do to help the plant based food industry the most? And then I also want to know if there's certain big box stores because a lot of people. You know, and right. certainly in our 14 listeners, like they pr might live in areas where the only there's thing only a Walmart, right. there's only a Target. We can only they can only afford X, Y, Z. And how do yeah. we, you know, start there? Yeah, no, no. I mean, really, like Walmart, Target, Kroger, Costco, they all carry. We're in all of them. Uh, uh, not in not in all stores or not in all regions. But, you know, we're in um, many of those stores and uh, many of them need to expand their plant based sets. I mean, Target has a very, very small plant-based set. And um, by expanding that, I think they could reach a lot more people. Um, you know, same thing with Walmart. I mean, they're all really just getting to the point where they're beginning to carry more and more things that are made from plants. Um, and it'd be great to, for your 14 listeners to go into every single one of them across the country and just, you know, I don't know, pick it outside or just go in there and just tell everyone you know what right. can we do just just seek out you know obviously miyoko's creamery and and all the so buy the products be yeah just then... buy yeah yeah buy the products you know shout out about it on social media tell your friends um and you know just, you guys even if yeah. you're even if you are like oh there's no way I'm can give up my cheese or whatever, which we right. all need to do anyway, because we all need to drop a few LB. I have IBS because yeah. of the cheddar. <laughs> so even if you're not ready yet, I would suggest in addition to whatever dairy you're buying or, you know, whatever beef, like get and try get an impossible meat too. Right. get Miyoko's that, and right. just try it. it can, you can think of it as like, 
an alternative spread or whatever. I mean, right. the, the cheese is good. You don't have to give up cheese to try her cheese. And then you'll slowly see that. We mowed down last night, Miyako, <laughs> on the mozzarella. Okay? We did. Okay. <laughs> we did. We really did. And I'm wondering, too, with your, with your um, lawsuit, hopefully it goes well. If it doesn't, are we going to try and get to the Supreme Court? Are we going to? Yes, you know, we're, we're going to okay. appeal. We're okay. going to appeal. Because I sure. want to know what we can do yeah. with politically politically yep. we, and or what organizations can we also look into to join to get a part of what can we do to be part of this plant-based activism yeah um you know we're part of a uh, um a nonprofit. uh well a part of a trade association called the plant-based foods association but you know i think it's just raising awareness among um you know getting your your 14 listeners to be is to be activists and and just you know just Ask, really, I think consumers are the key. So getting them to go buy products, um, getting them to talk to their stores about carrying more plant-based products, um, you know, making sure that they drop our name every single time, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's the best form of activism. You know, I think we have to put our money where yeah, you know, our, we right. vote with our dollars, as they we say, and, and this is the time to do that. Um, and in the time of... of uh, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, this is another issue that it's been one of my pet peeves for a long time. I've known about this for a long time. Um, is that you know our food system? There is an inherent form systemic racism within our food system. And when you think about slaughterhouses and and meatpacking plants, um, and uh, you know hog farms, usually being around communities of color, making those uh, residents, uh, local residents, sick. Um, because of what's going on. And these slaughterhouses are, are mostly filled with employees that are people of color. It's bullshit. And we have to chain, overhaul the entire food system. We really do. It's got to be equitable. It's got to be affordable. Thank you That's so much it. for doing this. Yeah. We truly, truly like are in love with you, unfortunately. <laughs> Julie is going to come up and, and, and volunteer at Compassion or whatever. You just, can people Rancher just, Compassion. Can yeah. people just volunteer yep. and, and do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We have volunteers. We have. Yeah. Until COVID, we had regular visitation. Oh, right. Um, but we still have all we still have volunteers. You have to wear a mask, but we are outside, you know, so. Okay. Well, we're yeah. we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're probably going to stay with your neighbor, the one who won the class action, you know. Yeah. OK, let him know. <laughs> we're coming into the guest house and be like, what's up? So, so tell our 14 listeners where they can find you and support yeah. your work and yeah. buy the cheese yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we're, we're you know, we're found nationwide in about 15,000 stores. So we're at Whole Foods, Sprouts, uh, Ralph's um, down in L.A., Target, uh, Walmart. Uh, Costco Bay Area, Kroger, Publix, um, gosh. And you um, can buy it on the website. You can buy it on the website. You can buy it on the website. You can buy it on the website. Yep. Stop and shop. (laughs) And we're at a bunch of, uh, you know, in the independent natural food retailers as well. So, good. Yeah. Because at least on the website, there's the whole selection. Because I don't need the cream cheese to be all gone. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm like, who's buying all the damn cream cheese? I know. Believe me. I was at Ralph's yesterday. The stuff was yeah. sold out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Good luck with the um, with the hearing. We're going to follow everything you're doing. And we hope that you'll come back and talk to us after you've won your lawsuit. And we will start the revolution. Thank <laughs> you so much. It okay. was a blast. The Icon interview is over. And now it's time for us to chop it up. She chopping broccoli, chopping broccoli, 
Here we are, post-icon interview, ready to chop it the fuck up! Like chopping broccoli, ma'am? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't it make you want to have broccoli and... Oh, get this. Since we had done this interview, uh, so it was like well over a month ago, a month and a half ago. Yeah. We have been getting all kinds of Miyoko cheese. Yes. And we had anyway, yes. but I we did we hadn't been able to try a lot. It's sold out and right. you know, so I was able to procure while you were out of town the cheddar, <gasps> which is the farmhouse cheddar. It was one of their first Oh my god, products. that's like what they do the grilled cheese with. Right. And it's like because we're like, what can be melted? We oh my god. We, you know, not all of it can be melted. Mm -hmm. This is the melting cheese. When you said broccoli, that was one of the first things I thought is I want to fucking try that cheese on broccoli. Cause sometimes mm. real cheese on broccoli, which I do do, so don't you fucking judge me. You guys eat tons <laughs> of spicy fucking food. But I mm. want it to be more of like a cheese sauce. I don't want a melted cheese uh, on it. Okay. I want because there's like a cheese okay. sauce you can make okay. Okay. that sort of just goes over it. All right. I feel like this would be better on broccoli because it's not dairy. Interesting. So it will, it's also plant-based. Right. Famille. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, we're going to have to try it. And I can tell you, like, I went home this weekend yeah. for the family obligation. And my brother is really into smoking meats. And which bar that mean, meaning barbecue, brisket, all the shit. He has like that smoker that everyone has. He bought a smoker because yeah. he's like super into it, whatever. And um, normally I just don't think twice about it. But I was in my head. I was just like he was talking about it and he's really happy. He's happy doing it and it makes him happy and which is great. And he needs to have that. And but in my mind, I was like. I'm uncomfortable and I, <laughs> I feel weird and yeah like how many animals are you how many and he like made a comment of like I've every part of a pig I've had on there I'm like oh I feel weird <laughs> and but it's not judge it's just like I'm now going through this thing and yep. he gave me meat to take home and I took it because I don't want to waste it but at the same time I'm like I'm having like a yeah a thing. I'm having like a real thing. The, yeah, the awakening, the transitioning, and right. and this is that's why we talked to her, and it it was like we said one of your best. So there's that. And if you're new here, and you know, I would be surprised if you're still here. But if you are, <laughs> you know, Julie went through a really, really, really rough time in mm. in the beginning of quarantine with what was happening to the animals, and you know, at all the farms. So it was important for us to talk to her, and it was completely fucking i mean informative oh like. my god it's so informative and it doesn't stop being informative that was the other thing too when you talk to her and you're like oh yeah i can at any time go to that website punch in the number on the calculation just let's regroup it's like going to therapy it's like once you have the awareness you can't i mean you could you could bury your head in the sand i guess but once there's that much information you're just like i can't not i can't not now know and i can't not now just try and start to make small moves to make myself feel not so terrible. <laughs> yeah. And to be, to do your own uh, contribution. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you keep the water running while you brush your teeth and that right. now it's like you turn the water off when mm -hmm. you brush your teeth. That's just right. Gluttony. It's right. And, not, and to learn why is organic food so expensive? Well, now we know. Well, now we know that 
the all the agricultural the federal agricultural and the state agri- it's like they're keeping organic farms down they're keeping making it so impossible and they're on the side of ranchers they're on the side of cattle they're on the side of factory farming and it's fucking fucked up now with her trial that had already happened the week we interviewed her like i said it was six weeks ago so we looked that up and it turns out that she did win that mm-hmm. so that's great news yeah that is great news that's great that's a step forward and hopefully then she'll keep going on and yeah they shouldn't have to not call it butter and not call it cheese and the whole thing of redefining everything is exciting too like how great would it be if we were here right at the beginning when dairy and cheese was being redefined yeah we should i wonder if her company's public we should try and invest oh my god you're right invest in magic spoon you're absolutely right you're right it's just like the railroads you know what i mean we got to get in on the innovation and i think so funny that of course steve Wynn and all those rich guys they didn't get fucked with with impossible meat and leonardo dicaprio didn't get fucked with with beyond beef right but yeah why is it dairy i think it's just any smaller company without you know a ton like steve Wynn. he's obviously got a ton of endless funds to back his stuff up right i'm really happy that we had her on and even though I wanted to save it for a better time, I do think that there is an aspect to what she's doing that does involve civil rights and it involves mm-hmm. equality and it involves fighting corporations, fighting the government, fighting the man. It gave me that Aaron Brockovich feeling. Yeah, and I do think there's a thing where where one group of people doesn't get to lord over another. Yeah. You know, when we, you could call it people over animals, people over people, whatever. And when she said... You know, it's not enough just to be human. We need to be humane. I really feel like ugh, like that's you take that to any single thing you're looking at right now. Everything. Any single thing. Is it humane that there's unmarked federal agents in Portland arresting people? Taking them right off taking the street, them off disappearing the, them. We don't know where they are. We <laughs> no. don't even know if those are real federal agents. Probably guys in, from m- m- militia who live in a compound that tr- fucking Stephen Miller found and decided to fucking send to Portland. Yeah. So I'm happy that we did it, even though you forced me. <laughs> I'm happy we did it, too. And we just got to keep on keeping on. So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening. If you're new to us and you haven't signed up for our Patreon podcast yet, please go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics or you can go to our website, julianbrandy.com. There's a way to sign up there and check it out. We fucking beg you. If you were offended or annoyed by anything you heard here today, just know we don't talk any politics on that podcast, but we are still very offensive and annoying. <laughs> but it's just in a more organic, unprepared, mm. what's the point of this podcast, mm. go get some fucking content kind of way. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do two a week. You can choose whether you want to sign up for one or two. They're both an hour and it's $1 for one and $2 for two. If you're not sure you'll like it, then sign up for one. You can always go in and cancel if you're turned off or upgrade to two a week if you're turned on. Correct. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. Go try that Miyoko's Creamery Cheese. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. 
He's just a little brought down because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan and he's good for relieving my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania Hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> 